Welcome to the Real Estate Woman's Podcast. Thanks for pulling up a chair to our roundtable discussion. Here, we'll teach you how you can create a stream of passive income through multifamily investing, and we'll help you to shift your mindset so you can start living the life you really want to be living by design today. Welcome. We're the Real Estate Women, and I'm Candy. I'm Colleen. I'm Tamara. And I'm Crystal. Welcome to the Passive Investing Podcast. Uh, today, we want to shed some light on what it takes to find a deal worthy of investing in, because uh, it truly is like finding a needle in a haystack. Um, you might not realize it, but before your eyes meet the beautiful, well-thought-out offering of the investment opportunity that comes through your email, a lot of work has actually gone on behind the scenes. Um, there's going to be a GP there that has gone and checked every last detail of that to make sure that they feel confident that what they're looking at is worthy. Um, so there are a few ladies around that have a uh, mastered this as well as Annie Dickerson. So that's why we have her on for today's episode. How are you doing, Annie? Hey, I'm great. Thrilled to be here with all of you ladies. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for being here, Annie. Um, Annie Dickerson is a real estate investing expert with 15 plus years of real estate investing experience. Annie and her business partner are the founders of Good Egg Investments. Together, they have helped thousands of investors around the country to invest in commercial real estate assets, totaling over $1.4 billion. So um, that speaks for itself, why we ask Annie to be here. And um, I'm excited to get in, to dive into what we'd like to talk about today. So the deals, like you have to have an in, you know, influx of deals that come in from brokers and, uh, and multiple sources. How do you shift through them? Oh boy. Yeah. We're always getting tapped for when, when you have access to investor money, everybody comes crawling out of the woodwork. Everybody wants a piece of it. Right. And so it take it does, it takes a lot of work. Just as Crystal was talking about, there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes before we ever present anything to investors. And a big part of it for us is staying in our lane. You know, I personally, just as a side, over the last few years, I've, I've lost some money investing in things that were not within my lane, crypto being one of the big ones, right? <laughs> um, and so as an investment company, when we, we see all these shiny objects from all these different brokers, all these different markets and asset mm -hmm. classes, potential partners, we're always thinking, is this within our lane? Not only is this within what we're, our investors are looking for, but also, is it within our own area of expertise? Do we have a track record in this? How confident are we that we can execute on the business plan, provide value, make an impact in this community, and reach those, those returns for our investors? So that's really kind of the um, the the test that we put all of these these potential opportunities through. Annie, I really like the fact that you pointed that out. It's so easy to start looking at investments and then almost feel you're it's a fear of missing out. And oh, so yeah. there's so many there's so many types out there. There's mm -hmm. so many types of investments just in real estate alone. And I know, you know, listening to you say that, I remember looking into crypto and just getting completely overwhelmed and realizing that, you know, my lane is real estate and there, there are various forms of investments that I can do. 
just in real estate, like real estate, think of it as is like the, the mothership. And then there's all these little corridors in between inside the ship. So you, I don't really have to go outside of that for my comfort zone, you know, to leave my comfort zone specifically in investments. So when, when you, so when you realize that you're getting, uh, you're narrowing in, what are some of the things that you start to look at in a particular property? I mean, zoning in areas, like, can you touch on that a little bit for us? Well, these days, the financing is a huge part of it. It didn't used to be, it used to be, you know, we got a loan. Great. Let's move forward. Now it's like looking at every detail of that loan. Is it a fixed rate? Is it variable with a cap? When does it expire? What happens if the rates continue to climb? And so that's a big piece of what we look at. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually just closed a deal yesterday that we've been trying to close for a very long time. (laughs) Um, And we thank you. It's been a lot, a lot, a lot of work, a lot of Ugh. investor trust over the months. But um, we, what made that deal so great was we were able to assume a HUD loan direct oh, from awesome. the developer. And it was at a 3.8% fixed rate. In this environment, it's almost impossible to find mm-hmm. that. And so that's why we stuck it out for many months to see this deal through. And so for, you know, when we're looking at new deals these days, that's a big piece of the equation is making sure that we have good fixed rate financing. And oftentimes, because we can't get new loans that are at a, a reasonable rate, it's about looking, we have to look a little bit deeper to find those loans that we can assume or those creative financing options. So that's a big piece of it is the financing. And on top of that, it's the market and the partnerships. And so the markets, you know, we don't just invest in any market because we don't know every market. As you know, real estate is hyper local. And so we have kind of our um, areas of expertise, which are for us primarily Arizona, Texas, and the Southeast. We've done lots of deals in many of those markets. And so when a deal comes across our desk in one of those markets we've already invested in, we Mm -hmm. can know with certainty whether it's a good deal or not because we're already in that market. If it's a new market to us, it takes more time for us to dig in and to to see if it's a it's a good deal or not who would be our connections in that market um, and so Mm -hmm. on and then the partners we often do deals together with partners because real estate is a team sport as you all know Mm -hmm. and so it's also a matter of assessing okay who are we partnering with um, on this particular asset and are they people we've worked with before what's their track record and so it's a kind of mm-hmm. a combination of those things so could we back up just a, a bit to that hud deal for our listeners who are not familiar with hud could you tell us a little bit about that and just so people can have like a hands-on layman's terms kind of understanding why it took so long if you could touch on like you know, whether it was the inspections, uh, how, why would that particular type of a loan take longer? And why would you really fight for that other than the interest rate? Yeah, good question. So, um, so for this, for any deal where you are assuming a loan, meaning you're taking over an existing loan rather than um, taking, taking on new financing, 
there's a lot of hurdles to jump through. You'd think that it would be really easy, like a loan already exists and you're just like changing the name on it. It just sounds simple, right? And that's exactly what I thought when I first got into this. I was like, an assumable loan, that should be easier. Not a new loan, right? But it's actually the reverse. Often when you're assuming a loan, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through. And with HUD, Housing and Urban Development, there's it's a government mm -hmm. um, level organization. And so with anything with the government, there's <clears throat> things move at a glacial pace and there's a lot more paperwork, a lot more hoops to jump through, which is what we found. And so it, it was a lot of, there were extra inspections, there were extra, um, there was extra paperwork that we had to fill out in regards to where the money was coming from, our financial background, our partner's background, mm -hmm. all of that. And then there were delays in the HUD processing because the, the wait mm -hmm. line, the waiting lines were very long. And so things get kept getting pushed back. And then anytime we made any small change to uh, like, we brought in another partner, we had to start the whole process over oh, again. Oh. And so we've had this deal under contract since January of this year. And as of this recording, it's now December. So yeah. we, this is by far our longest acquisition <laughs> to date. Um, but we're thrilled that we got it pushed through because it's such a great deal. And the best things are those that, uh, that are worth waiting for. And so hopefully this one will be exactly that. Yeah. You know, it's funny, this is like a prime example of all of the hard work that comes into getting that deal in front of somebody because most of the people that have the opportunity to look at that deal that you're going to be offering are, they're not going to really truly understand that it was 12 months of work that gone into it, has gone into it. So that's, that's just the perfect prime example of exactly why we have this because we want to shed the light on that. And um, just a quick question too for you because you know we do talk a bit about like real estate and how broad real estate is and you said that you want to stay in your lane and you mentioned markets mm -hmm. as well um and of course you mentioned stocks versus real estate but within real estate too there's so many different lanes you can go on that the highway of that is real estate um because we have i mean um uh not trailer parks, um, mobile home parks, I'm sorry, are really popular now. Then you have rebranded themselves. Exactly. Mobile home parks now. Mobile home parks, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, it escaped me for a moment. But there's so many different ways. There's so many different avenues in there. And now yeah. when you say your lane, are you very specific about like um, residential standard properties that, uh, you know, what is your lane specific? And do you think that, do you think that it matters? Do you think a person can, um, kind of be an expert in mobile home park storage and your typical multifamily. Um, so I was just wondering your thoughts on that. Yeah, you absolutely can have multiple lanes. It depends on how much effort you personally want to put into it. Um, and our lane has shifted over time based on the, the ebbs and flows of the market. And so when we started out several years ago, we were focused on B and C class multifamily um, in Texas in the Southeast. And so we knew that front and back, we were pretty familiar with it, the standard kind of returns that we could project for our investors. And we were pretty comfortable with that. We had established partnerships in those markets. Um, and so that was our lane at that time. And as the market started to shift a little bit, we started to see some more opportunities in class A multifamily as well and in some 
markets outside of the the ones we had already invested in. So we started to take some time to get to know those markets, get to know Class A and what that meant, because the business plan for Class A is often different. Um, mm-hmm. Then for class B or class C multifamily, the risks are different. The return profile is different. So it took some time for us to switch lanes, so to speak, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. or expand into that lane as well. And then as the opportunity came up to invest in hotels, um, mm-hmm. that was a completely mm-hmm. new asset class to us. And it was one that we, again, took a lot of time to learn and to expand into. Often what we do, my business partner, Julie, and I, when we come across these new opportunities, particularly that are outside our um, established lane, what we'll do is we'll we take it very slow. It's like a it's like a long-term relationship. You don't want to rush into anything. Mm-hmm. And so often what we do before we put any of our investors' money into an opportunity, we'll personally invest our own capital into a deal if it's with a new partner or a new market. And we'll just wait and see and give it, you know, a few months to a year and we'll see what's going on. Is it, are they delivering on their returns? How is the market doing? And then as we personally get more familiar with those opportunities, then we start to open it up um, and see if there's opportunities for our investors. But we're generally very cautious and very, um, very patient when it comes to expanding into new opportunities. I really like the fact that you do that to to see for yourself how how the process is from the investor perspective, because uh, yes. it is it is a very different place to be uh, on a, on a team. Even though you you're a part of the team, but you're passive, and so you don't get to see the ins and outs and how things are working as well. So what does that feel like? And mm-hmm. then when you bring someone to the table with that what can I bring that maybe I felt like I needed and, or also mimic what worked really well and bring that as well. Definitely. Very interesting. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Tamara. So you mentioned hotels. Are you um, converting them into? Oh, good question. So this came, so we're not hotel operators. We don't know. (laughs) When we first got into this, we didn't know the first thing about running a hotel. There's like all these different, this terminology for the world of hotels. There's Mm -hmm. like the flags or the brands that you, the hotel is under. There's all these stipulations with the brands. And so, and we still, to, to this day, we still don't know a lot of that because we found an amazing partner. And so the hotels that we're doing uh, or we're investing in are what's called select service hotels, um, which are different from full service hotels. So full service, think of like a nice family vacation that you go on and you stay at a hotel with a full spa and a full restaurant and all the amenities, the gift shop, everything. And um, so that's a full service hotel that's often um, geared more towards like luxury or um, leisure travelers. And so that can go up and down with the market. And so that's a little there's potentially higher returns, but also higher risk. So the um, the select service level of hotels where we invest are more um, 
they they have uh, fewer amenities. So instead of a full service restaurant, maybe there's that, you know, those little markets, self-serve markets right. in the lobby where you can kind of grab and go. Um, there's not a, usually not a spa. There might be a modest pool, but the overall the, the amenities are more modest. And so those hotels are more geared toward um, extended travelers uh, or extended stay travelers, mm -hmm. business travelers, and often they're coming back again and again. You know, people, th especially during COVID, they were like, well, business travel, people, wouldn't people just cut that out and do everything on Zoom? Um, and there are many companies that do a lot of um, their, their work through Zoom, especially these days, but there's also a lot of work that has to happen in person. Mm -hmm. For example, um, in some of the hotels we invested in the Chicago area, there's a lot of factories nearby where workers had to come and be on site to set up new automation lines and things like that. And so those that that's where we kind of look for those opportunities is where there's a unique market, unique employer, unique opportunity. Um, and so those select service hotels kind of came through this partnership that we established. But again, we took a long time courting them, getting to know them. And so they continue to actually operate those hotels, even after we, um, we acquire them. And it's a very unique partnership that we've established. So you would have to definitely, uh, again, learn the different types of loan packages that would be available oh, yeah. because that would not be the that's a whole nother learning curve right there it's not yeah. the same as if you were buying a multifamily. so you're definitely yeah. jumping into uncharted waters mm -hmm. uh, so i can see why you would want to to test the waters out as an investor yes. to 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 see how all of that works lots of moving parts that's why team oh, yeah. is involved for sure yeah exactly and the last thing you want to do is I mean, it's, it's very tempting to, to come across a new exciting opportunity and say, yeah, I think this mm -hmm. looks good. Let's go ahead and put this in front of investors. And you may raise the capital and you may get the deal done, but you know, years down there, because this is a, mm -hmm. a, all of these deals are not just for a month or two. This is for years mm -hmm. down the road. And the last thing you want is years down the road things start to go wrong and you have to then answer to your investors. Mm -hmm. That is not a fun place to be in. And so that's why we do so much work up front to avoid that, um, that from happening. How do you decide what you're going to present to your investors? Like what mm -hmm. is, is there an investment criteria that you have set up and, and how did you come about that criteria? Um, those metrics? Yeah, it's interesting. Our investors will tell us exactly what they want <laughs> one way or another they'll mm. tell us either through you know we'll put out a deal and there'll be crickets nobody wants to invest in it um, or they'll email us and tell us but most often what we do is we'll send out these investment surveys and we'll say because we we from the get-go we very much wanted to establish a community just as you all have established a community here so we wanted our investors to know they're not doing it on their own. We're here doing it together. And so we never set out to say, these are the types of deals we're going to do. And you either take it or leave it from day mm -hmm. one. It was always, this is kind of where we see the opportunity. What do you guys think? And we would send out these, um, sometimes it was monthly, sometimes quarterly surveys where we'd say, this is what we're seeing out in the market. These are the types of opportunities we're seeing. 
if we were to put something out like this, would you be interested? How much would you invest? Would you invest now or would you invest later? And it's kind of getting a pulse on um, our investor sentiment. And so that's the way we've operated from day one is kind of always listening to our investors and what they want more so than what we might, ourselves might want. Mm -hmm. Nice. So um, that is super helpful, I'm sure, because having your finger on the pulse of what investors want is huge. Um, so now let's say, for example, let's stick with our typical, like your standard multifamily, you know, class A. I know you said that's one of your specialties. I'm sure you get a lot of those coming across your desk. Um, and now when you see one, what is it that um, as you're looking through that offering memorandum that you're like, okay, this one seems like it might fit the bill. Um, is it cash on cash returns that you have a specific percentage that you're looking for your, for your investors? Um, is it the, a preferred return? Like what are the different um, boxes that you need to check and that you look through before you send that deal? Um, it provided it is that the class A that you're looking for. That is such a good question. And for, for us, it's never about the, the returns. It's never about even the property or the market. It is 100% about the team. Okay. Because as we've seen, any team can take a good deal and run it into the ground. I've <laughs> seen that. Or a really good team can take even a mediocre deal and make it sing. And so we're always looking, you know, they usually in the offering memorandum, they only have like, you know, maybe one page about the team behind it. Right. But we're always, um, we're always looking, we're always digging further into who are the people behind this. If we're buying direct from a seller, who's the seller? What's their intent? Why are they selling? How has their track record been so far with this deal? If it's um, a partner that we're considering working with, it's, you know, what's been their track record? Have they been able to deliver on returns to their investors in the past? And then looking, reading behind, not reading behind, reading in between the lines and, you know, with any communications that we have with them, it's, you know, are they getting back to us in a prompt uh, and timely manner? Are they respecting us? And a, a lot of that will tell you exactly how those relationships will be, even as you get into the investment itself. And so the team is always our number one, is figuring out who's the team that you're going to be working with. Um, or, you know, if we're, we're taking the lead on it, who are the people that we want to bring into the fold to really give this deal the highest and best potential to succeed? Awesome. Yeah, that, that makes a total sense because like you said in the beginning, it truly, truly is a team sport. So I'm sure that just that, that's, that gives you the ability to switch lanes. You know, if you're finding the right partners, you get to make sure if you vet that partner and you know they have that experience, I'm sure it does make it a lot easier to not necessarily switch lanes, but shift a little from here to there because um, you know, it's not just you, you don't have to be the one with all of the information. You have a whole team that has all that valuable information and probably has long history and the different things. So that makes total sense. And uh, that's a really important thing for uh, any investor to look at, look at every person in the team to make sure all of the different avenues of a deal that you happen to be looking at 
is covered and the knowledge is there one way or another. It doesn't have to be one person and there's always going to be somebody new and that one new person isn't a bad thing. Um, it's just make, making sure that the information and the knowledge is there. So that's, that's great advice. Definitely. Yeah. It just gives you more agility, especially when the rubber meets the road, especially as we're seeing now, as the market is shifting mm -hmm. and we're running up against financing issues. Um, you know, it's super important to have great people that you're working with because then, you know, with our partners, we're coming together, we're putting all of our heads together and we're saying, okay, who do you know in this space? What brokers can we tap into? Who else can we talk to? What have you done in the past? And what have you seen that's worked or not worked? And we're all, it's, it's like a war room. We're working together and um, having more of those experienced people on the team just helps to increase the overall resourcefulness <coughs> of the team. Because if it's just us and our limited experience, it's okay, mm -hmm. well, we, we haven't seen this before. What do we do? Uh, but if it's multiple people, it, it becomes a kind of a, a living um, thing and we can start to look at it from multiple angles. I hear you. So we're talking about team. And one of the things that um, I was just talking with some um, other uh, on a meetup last night with some other investors and the topic was, you know, now that the market is what is what it is with and increases in costs, you have to be very careful in what you're extending capital expenditures on um, and how how are you shifting in the market? And the, the main topic was and this is something that I was always, you know, I always thought, you know, that the, the team, even though they may they're not they're not investors. Uh, a good portion of the team is your tenant base. If you're, you know, and whatever, whether your customers, even though they're paying, they're part of the team. So how do you treat them and how do you add to their lifestyle at the property, uh, adding amenities without necessarily having a large expense on the, on the uh, capital expense on that side. So can you kind of touch in this shifting market? Like, how are you adding uh, services or providing more to her towards your your customer base to continue to keep yeah. them happy to keep them in without having to cycle therefore so keeping your investment happy right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it all goes together right that that impact on a local level with the residents and the community you want to keep them happy and give them honestly just give them a good safe place to live mm -hmm. so that they're happy and then that like you said feeds the top of the funnel so to speak i guess with um the ultimate the the income that the the property can generate and then that makes investors happy so it's like this whole cycle and so as far as our residents, uh, I mean, a lot of these properties that are currently in our portfolio, we held through COVID. And so through that time, there was a there were, for a period of time, we just didn't do any new deals. We said, let's just hunker down and focus mm -hmm. on the deals in our pro portfolio. And let's make sure we're servicing our customers, our residents, the best that we can. And we really worked one-on-one -on -one with a lot of our residents to help make sure that they were okay and they felt good about it. We tried to work with them to come up with payment plans or whatnot to make sure that they felt secure with all the changes that were happening. And these days, you know, even though COVID is kind of more or less in the rearview mirror, but we still have inflation 
going on. And so finances are a huge issue for a lot of residents. And so we're still working with people, negotiating, making sure that they feel comfortable and confident um, as they sign any leases. And then also we're just making sure that their their experience living um, at one of our properties is as great as it can be. Even things like, you know, the community things and and bringing in that energy. We've got a s'mores truck Mm -hmm. coming into one of our properties later this week. I was like, a s'mores truck? I was like, can you please send that to my house afterward? (laughs) Uh, We've got, you know, holiday light decorating contests, make your own ornaments, grab and go breakfast, backpacks for the kids. It's like, whatever we can do, Mm -hmm. we know it's not just about the bottom line and the numbers that's not Mm -hmm. why we got into this business if if it were that we could just be investing in the stock market and call it a day right Mm -hmm. but the opportunity with real estate is really to have that person-to-person relationship and to see the impact of your investment within a local community and i think it extends not just to the residents but also outward into the community because these residents are working at local employers they're the kids are going to the local schools and there's so there's a real opportunity to impact Mm -hmm. the the whole community not just the the asset at hand Um, And so we're really doing everything we can to make sure that our residents are having a really positive, um, positive experience. And when they graduate, so to speak, and they go and buy their own homes, we celebrate that. We're so excited for them because they've been able to achieve the, the American dream, so to speak. And so, you know, even though, you know, we don't like to see that turnover, we're always happy for our residents when they can go out and buy their own homes. Um, we always we always try to celebrate things like that. Wow, I love, I love the fact that you brought up, you know, the investors will want to invest in a property where they know that not only are they getting, you know, returns for what they're, what they're desiring, but also knowing that they're making an impact um that that just it's just like a warm fuzzy investor <laughs> so yeah, that's right <laughs> and honestly that, that's what keeps it fun for the investor right it's like because if you just go through everyone like it's another deal another deal another deal and you never make that connection make that relationship right. look granularly at that one property it for me personally you know it would just become the mundane it would just be normal like i we have um, we have a lot of buy and hold properties personally that we have. So we love to like, look at, okay, this property, what can we do? How are our tenants? Like you said, like that is literally half of the fun is figuring out like, okay, what can we do to make life better? So not only is it enjoyable for you and the investor, it is, you know, it's just all around beneficial. So that's awesome. Yeah, and we're always looking for additional opportunities to help not just make their experience there better, but as I mentioned, you know, finances is an ongoing concern for a lot of our residents. And so, you know, things like bringing in financial education, financial literacy opportunities, even, you know, library, like books that the the residents can borrow, things like that. We're always looking into opportunities like that to try to bring in another level um, to the experience because, you know, that keeps, keeps residents happy and it also has that greater level impact on the community. That's awesome. I love that whole, um, adding the, you know, financial education, like a, even just a, like a free library on the property with that type of like those types of books can be huge. I'm totally going to swipe that. That's a great little nugget. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is amazing. Um, 
So Annie, if our listeners want to learn more about what you do um, and they want to reach out, how would they do that? Absolutely. The The best place to go is our website, goodeginvestments.com. And if you're new to the whole world of passive investing, just click the Start Here page and we'll take you through all you need to know. So um, we like to end each of our podcasts with a quote of the day. Um, Tamara has picked a couple out. And so if you could pick a number one through three, she'll read it. And we kind of like to bounce ideas off of each other about that quote. Fun. I'm going to go with number one. So number one is you are the one who can stretch your own horizon. And that's by Edgar Magnin. Like that. Can you read it one more time? Yeah. You, uh, yeah, my, my voice is froggy today. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> this is not how I usually sound. But, anyways, you are the one who can stretch your own horizon. I love it. I just, I like having the opportunity to really pause and let it sink in. But, um, yeah, oh my gosh, that's this is such a profound quote and what's coming up for me right now as you're you're reading that quote is my journey into being an entrepreneur and you know for in the 10 years after college I had nine different w-2 jobs going from one thing to the next trying to find the perfect oh. thing for me and real estate was something I did on the side but never something I took really seriously mm-hmm. And when this opportunity came across to, and I saw that there was this opportunity to help more people to invest in real estate without the hassles of being a landlord, I thought, why doesn't everybody know about this? Everybody (laughs) should know about this. I need to go and shout this from the rooftops, even if I can help just a few people. And I had no idea what I was doing when I first started. Um, I had no idea how to start a business, how to run a business, how to grow a team, how to do. I had never done a commercial syndication at that point. And um, but but once I took that leap, things started Mm -hmm. to line up. I actually met my business partner the literally the week after I quit my job to go into real estate. And that's how synchronistic things were. And. Mm You know, at, at each turn, you know, we we sought more and more opportunities to expand our own horizons, whether it was mindset or mm-hmm. expanding into different markets and opportunities. We never said we can't. We ne- always tried to turn around and said, how can we? And I think um, that has given us so much opportunity, so much agency, especially as women in mm-hmm. um, this this industry. <clears throat> to be able to take things into our own hands and to expand our own horizons. When you think about expanding your horizon, I, I love what you said, and thank you so much for sharing your, your journey. It's mindset is so key in that. Uh, mm-hmm. We can learn. There's plenty of, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, textbooks out there, but it is mindset that allows us to take that step into the unknown territory. And often um, where I live here in Cape Cod, you know, there's a, a, an influx of fog because of the water temperature and the land temperature. Mm-hmm. And often I'll reflect on like, you know, when it's really foggy and I can only see like a blur of one of the rocks on the beach. It just reminds me of like knowing that in any given moment that is going to expand out. And I think, you know, 
right now, all I can see is what I can see, but I know eventually that that is going to expand. So the, what I'm saying with that as well is that when I'm learning something new, give myself a break to know that my horizon will expand with that as I learn more things. And just like you said, synchronicity lines up and you start, the more you look for something and think about it, the more those types of things come into your life, or you may just be noticing them because you are now aware that they exist. So when the fog goes back and I see that rock on the beach, it's like, wow, was that rock always there? Or was I noticing because I was looking for a rock? Mm, love that. And it reminds me of, you know, it, you always have to, one of my, something I've become more and more comfortable with is looking for those edges, those place in, uh, places in life where things get a little crunchy and you want to <laughs> step away and you want to turn away and you say, no, this is not for me. But if you just dare to look, if you dare to take one step beyond where your comfort zone is, that's where the magic happens. And that's where the fog starts to lift. And you see it's not just one rock, but a dozen rocks beyond that. And so I love that metaphor and it's it's a philosophy I live by. That's, that's really exactly what uh, the quote kind of brought up for me. Like, you're the one who can expand your own horizon. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's easy for us to get right to that edge, but sometimes we wait at that edge for like mm -hmm. the right time or the opportunity or in all these other factors. But if everybody remembers that you're the one who expands the horizon, you're the one that takes the step. There doesn't have to be any special moment, special person or anything special. You just take that moment to learn that new thing, um, make the first commitment to eating healthier or anything in life. As long as everybody remembers that you're the one that takes the step, I think that that's that's totally key and exactly. You guys totally hit the nail on the head with that. And it's, it's awesome. That's a great quote. Tamara, <laughs> did it move you? Well, <laughs> no. Well, sure. It's because the stretch, you know, the stretch part um, of the quote is what I heard Annie like say about that it was a strut, you know, to leave to a W-2 and find your way. That's stretching yourself. That's stretching yourself into other areas and opening yourself up to that other areas is I think what is key about, and I think it's what's key about real estate and learning about real estate and investing in real estate, because of course it's scary and, and investing that, you know, the harder money that you made, um, into an investment, you know, that's a stretch. So, um, it's, you know, it's just true, but it's truly taking that step and, and believing, um, that you are the one that, um, is in, is in charge control, et cetera, of the choices. So. And I would say to the listener, you know, maybe that one thing for you is investing in that first deal, investing right. in that first passive opportunity. Maybe mm -hmm. that's beyond where your current comfort zone is, but you're doing the right thing by listening to this podcast and following these amazing women and continue to do that until you get to, you're never going to get to a hundred percent comfort. Right. So don't expect that. But, you know, wherever your threshold is, maybe it's, you know, you're 60% sure or you're 70% sure. Mm -hmm. And that leap 
becomes smaller and smaller, that gap becomes smaller and smaller. And you say, you know what, today's the day I'm going to make that first investment today. And then that that leap of faith is what's going to open those horizons for you. And then you'll start the ball rolling. And so I think for the listener, you're absolutely in the right place. Keep listening to this podcast because there's so much great value here. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much, Annie. So nice, Annie. Fantastic having you having you on. And uh, there, there, there's so much, so so much richness in this particular podcast. You know, talking about you know the 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 fear of missing out, really narrowing down, staying in your lane, so hard to do, um, and to really take your time to learn how to do what it is you're trying to do. Educate yourself, not to analysis paralysis level. But because, as you just beautifully said, you know, you have to take that step. You have to take that step to invest. So um, thank you so much for coming on. This has been fantastic. Um, mm. We just want to say thank you to our listeners. And if you want to join us, uh, you know, thank you for joining us at the roundtable, of course. And if you want to learn more about us, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and visit our website, therealestatewomen.com. Thank you again. And thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not licensed professionals and do not give investment advice, tax advice, or other professional advice. Please consult a licensed professional before making any financial decisions.